Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Derek Johnston. Having coached part-time for a number of years, Derek recently made the leap into coaching full-time. He currently works four coaching roles. He's a community outreach coach at Cumbernauld Colts, women's first team coach at Stenhouse Muir, one-to-one coach at Oliver Performance Academy, and Soccer Academy's coach at Rangers, where he hopes to one day be in the hot seat. I caught up with Derek to talk about what it's like to make coaching your career and his 2022 focus on reflection. Derek, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. Can you start by telling us a bit about you, your football journey and your current roles in the game? Thanks for having me, first of all, Steph. Yeah, um, in terms of my, my own journey, um, I essentially got into football, as most people do, a young player at grassroots level. Um, and to be honest, wasn't much of a player. Um, so kind of found myself um, going into coaching at quite a young age. Um, I started off in amateur football and was a... A young manager at the age of 21 um, was a manager of my then Sunday amateur team, uh, AFC Bonningham, which was basically a team made up of me and all my mates. Um, but I, I was kind of the one. Uh, we actually started a, a bit of a revolt uh, between the team. So funny, funny things that happen in football. Uh, I actually sacked my own dad <laughs> and then took part of his role. Um, the, the story was basically that my dad and one of the other boys' dads were, were running the team uh, and we got to a semi-final and two of the players were left out because they had turned up late to a game the week before and uh, during, the, during the commotion of that between the, the players after the game, um, me and my best mate Baker, we kind of at that point, says, well, like, we could, we could kind of run the team ourselves until the end of the season. Um, this was about February time, and the plan was, let's, let's just do it until May, and then get someone in. Uh, and from that period, February to May, I, I kind of get the bug for managing. Um, quite liked it. Had a, had a really good group of players that some... Some players that went on to play uh, semi-professional level in Scotland and others who were just because of, it was like boys that have played together from five-year-old up in some cases. So we just had that chemistry and everything clicked type thing. It was a team that, as a manager, I wasn't a manager, I was a team selector really um, because it kind of managed itself. Um, but I was just the organiser really. Um, behind it and then from there went into uh, Saturday football set up a team Royal Union FC which is a Saturday morning amateur team in the Glasgow Colleges like putting foundations there kind of made, made mistakes along the way that led to me departing the club um, then had a spell out of the game uh, actually struggled from depression uh, for a, probably a year and during nine months of that year, um, I was out of the game completely. 
it was a conversation with my best friend that just kind of got me back into thinking, do you know what, maybe I, maybe I need football more than I actually realise, rather than football needs me. Uh, so took up a, a job with a team, FC Southside United, who have now changed to Hillwood Amateurs. Again, an Arsenal league team. And really, it was just a case that let's throw myself back into football and see where it goes. And, and from there, I, um, in terms of career-wise, I actually found myself um, found myself at a bit of a crossroads. Uh, I was an engineer at trade and worked in the manufacturing engineering side. Um, didn't have much luck in terms of my career. Um, whenever I seemed to get any good positions, played well paid and things like that. Uh, in the last few years, certainly, I just didn't really have any luck. I went and worked with a, a world-renowned uh, company. I'm not allowed to say because of the nature of the work that I'd done with them. Uh, but went and worked for a, a world-renowned company for a 10-week period. And during that 10-week period, the world met COVID-19. Uh, and unfortunately, I was a contractor there. and. Yeah, um, at the time when I went in, because of the because of the contract situation I was getting under, it was a six-month contract which would have ran up to August last year. And when I was, not August last year, sorry, August 2020. Um, so when I was going in, I kind of had the, the idea of, if this, if this doesn't work, I might throw myself into football, see if I can make a career in the game. Um, and I had in the back of my mind my local, I say local college, it's not really my local college, it was just local to the area I grew up in. Uh, they'd done a HNC in football coaching with development course, which I decided once once the, the job that I was in, um, basically I was told, Contracts ended. Um, you you were put on furlough. Fortunately, the furlough system, despite us being contractors, we still managed to get on that. So that gave me a wee bit of time because I was really lucky that the job that I was going it was potential for a fifty grand per year full time contract. So we were paid much in line with that, and I was kind of given the, the top bracket when it came to furlough. So I had probably four four or five months in furlough where I was comfortable uh, during that during that mad first lockdown where everybody didn't know what was going on. But and yeah, I, I just kind of found my way in from there, went to college and uh, got my, my HNC uh, in May time last year. And from there I had when I started uh, when I started college I looking for clubs. I stayed with my amateur club um, up until March last year, but uh, I also took my first dip into youth football. Um, I've never really. I kind of. I'm kind of doing it in reverse from most people. Normally, people start grassroots in terms of five-year-olds, six-year-olds, whatever, uh, and work my way up from there. But I, I kind of went in reverse. I, I worked in the adult game and, and then started to get into the youth side of things. So I worked as a community outreach coach um, with a club, Cumbernauld Colts, who 
have a senior men's team that play in the Lowland League, but they also have various teams throughout all different levels of football. Uh, in, a, in a normal week, the club tend to impact at least a thousand players in their, their own reach and then the community outreach. There's potential for another thousand there, so it's quite a good club to go in and work with. And I've been lucky that I'm given quite a lot of opportunities there. I, I take our community uh, sessions in terms of we have a Tuesday night football centre that I do the older group for. I'm the lead coach there, and I, I lead myself the mini kickers and a, a Saturday morning football centre on Saturdays. So that's given me opportunities to start to get used to working with kids from that um, March March last year I had just stumbling as everybody does scrolling through LinkedIn and I noticed um, Stenhouse Muir's women's team were looking for uh, were looking for a first team coach and I thought to myself do you know what it's not something I've done before um, I'm used to being a manager, but it would maybe be it would maybe be better for me long term. It's another experience as well. I always say that I kind of look at what Mick Beale says um, in terms of trying to maximise the experiences you have in the game. And if you can go and do something different, then try it. So yeah, that was kind of my my thought process in terms of going into the women's game. Uh, Fortunately, was offered the position. As first team coach at Stenhouse Muir, and I've been into that. And in the nine months I've been there, I've thoroughly enjoyed my involvement with the club and the opportunities that it's gave me as well to try something different. And um, most recently, I also took on a role as a soccer academies coach for Rangers Football Club, which is um, quite a, a proud moment because I'm a, a Rangers fan myself. So to get the Get the chance to work for the club that you love. I don't. I don't think you can better that. The only way I'll better that is if I end up going up the marble staircase as a first team manager one day. But it's quite a bit of wages yet. Um, but yeah, that's to be uh, and to be honest as well. That's that's my overall aim. Um, I'll know. I'll know. Hide away from it, and I might shoot for the stars and end up just reaching out the gutter. But I'll try. Uh, so yeah. Between that and also starting in September this year, um, the Scottish Football Association, along with Edinburgh Napier University, have started their own um, undergraduate degree. So I am currently on this. We are our, we are the second cohort, so we like the we're in year one, but there's a, a group in year two in front of us. Um, so uh, yeah, and at that as well. So quite busy. Um, between, I also do one-to-one coaching for uh, Oliver Performance Academy, which is a local, local business that just do one-to-one sessions for local kids that help them improve. So, four coaching roles in a week and university as well as being a, a new dad. Um, yeah, it's, it's busy, but it's good. So, touching a bit more on you kind of moving into football as a full-time career... I imagine there might be some coaches that are interested in doing that, but maybe don't know how to go about it or, you know, aren't sure if it's viable. What was your experience like in doing that? And what would you say to someone that was thinking about doing that? Obviously, 
I don't uh, I don't say this I mean sound cocky, but you've got to be good enough as well. Um I've went to so far I've went to college and I've went to uni with a lot of guys who might be on these courses and things like that and looking to get a full time career, but you've got to want it. Um like myself, for example, four coaching roles in a week. That's because I want to go in the grass as much as possible because that's the only place you're going to get good is if you're out doing it. And that would be my main bit of advice. If if you want to get a career in the game, you need to be out there coaching. Because um, I find even even for me, on a, even at degree level, um, I think there's some of our guys even at that. I, some of the boys might even listen to this, but I wouldn't. I'm not saying that's not bad, but I think there's even some guys there who don't coach enough. You need to be out on the grass, as I says, to, to become half decent at it. So I don't I don't understand how anybody thinks you can go go into coaching as a career but not actually throw yourself into it. And I've I've been fortunate that I'm already fairly experienced in terms of more management than coaching. Um but I've got an idea of how I want to play and how, how I like to train people and things like that, the, the cultures that I like to build and environments. So I, I'm quite experienced compared to some others, but some others as well, some guys just wonder at times whether they really want it or not. And that, that would be my main thing. I think that I've, I've probably got opportunities through just showing how keen I'm at to learn. Yeah, that that would be my main thing. Just just show you want it. Put your put everything into it and see at the end of the day, if you come away knowing you've given your all to making sure you get opportunities. If you don't then get the opportunities, because I've had for all I've, I've done well so far, I've also had failure and there. I've had roles that I've went for that I've been knocked back and things like that. That's the nature of the business. Um, and yeah, just go for it. Go for it. I'm interested as well in what you said about kind of doing it backwards. So coaching adults first and then moving into youth football. From yeah. moving into youth fo- football, what do you think you've learned? Definitely have learned to have a filter for a start because from my background, I was, I think the nicest way to put it is that I was pretty industrialised in terms of my language and things like that. And Obviously, when you're out coaching kids, you can't be effing blinding uh, for a start. But you've also got to learn the different ways that you give messages as well. Um, I find myself a lot now really understanding how to empathise with people on all different levels. Even even uh, in my role at the Colts, I'm fortunate enough as well that I deliver the football fans and training programme. Um, which can see me working with uh, guys and girls normally at least 30, 30 year old plus. You're talking about normally 45 plus as well. So you're, you're getting that experience of older people too. Um, and I, yeah, I just I quite enjoy that aspect. In terms of working with the kids, I just like my, my main thing is I love seeing them enjoy it because if they're not enjoying it by the football pitch for start and that's that's my wee that's my wee cheesy line that I always say to people when it comes to like you get even at that 
you'll get some people, maybe students and things like that, coming to watch sessions and they'll say things like, what's, what's your what's your philosophy? And that's normally because they're asked to buy lectures or they go out and try and understand it. And my, my tagline is nice and simple. It's called a fun football centre. The first part is fundamental. Make sure they enjoy it. Make sure they have fun when they're there. See if that kid goes up the road with a smile on their face that they've run about for an hour and they have scored plenty of goals. They have got to interact with their friends. They have set up a winning goal. They've not made their best mate, whatever. I've done my job that day. I was going to say as well, on the subject of kids, you've just said said a bit earlier, you ended up sacking your dad. What are you going to do if in 16, 20 years' time your daughter next to you sacks you? When, when, fear's, when fear's going to sack me? Yeah. Um, yep, yep. I, I could definitely see that coming. She's already pretty demanding as that. <laughs> cool. So I know a big focus of yours for this year is reflection, reflecting on your practices and your sessions. And I think sometimes, I know when coaching gets really busy, that's one of the things often as coaches we kind of forget to do sometimes. Why for you is reflection such an important part of coaching? Um, to be honest, a big, a big thing for me this year, Steph, just as you say, is, is that reflection, but also anybody that's uh, that follows me on Twitter or is involved in things like the Sunday share, or seen the, the coaching process document that I put out this week. And it's probably my focus is more the overall model. So this year, just with the, the time that I've uh, managed to create, and as well, because of having a young daughter and things like that, I'm trying to be a bit more bit more savvy when it comes to planning. Um, time, time is of the essence, and I want to have as much quality time with her as possible. So I'm quite lucky in that two of the clubs, two of the three clubs that I work with, already have, um, curriculums that I can work towards but obviously that's just the base so I like to use those curriculums but also put my own wee twist on it and I've kind of built up my own versions of both curriculums so that that's then allowed me to know well for a start I've got a bank of 48, 48 weeks worth of sessions planned but at the same time a lot of that's mirror sessions so the review the delivery side of it obviously comes in because some of these sessions there'll be parts in there I've never done before and that's that's a big part of it as well for me getting out and building more of a bank in terms of sessions and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't so the reflection is really important that way in terms of seeing did that land properly and I, I always quite I always quite like to do a wee bit of question and answer as a recap at the end of the kids whether it be kids or adults, whatever, any players, I always kind, kind of like to just check for that wee bit of understanding, see what they understood in terms of the messages you gave through your session, so that you actually know, did my coaching points land, or did I just hear crickets as soon as I mentioned a certain part? Because you do at times, that, that I, think, I think that's the, the art of coaching at times, is to realise what what has maybe landed and what hasn't so that you can focus on those wee bits that haven't and but at the same time keep keep the super strengths and the stuff that the stuff that works keep that going um so yeah the reflection for me is well the good thing is it's a good thing i don't drive so i'm a commuter so in terms of reflection i do a lot of reflection 
a lot of reflection and a lot of reading um, during my commuting. So they're my moments where I can jot something down, take a note on my phone. I can. I've always got that that moment where I can just right. I'm coming home for the session. I can just put that there, and I can come back to it. And then I I also like to I like to keep everything uh, in terms of a digital copy because I think that that's important in terms of overall. The way I, I, I look at it is you reflect on your reflection and try and notice common common terms, maybe skills gaps as well in terms of me as a coach, things that things that creep up consistently. Um see what see what works, see what doesn't, and pick them out more from just looking at those the reviews themselves and then kind of use that a wee bit more. So then how do you take those reflections and those observations and then use them to improve or adjust your next session? Um, well, that's that's kind of the million-dollar question, isn't it? Every coach will have their own way of doing it. I, I'm trying more this year to use the, the general points that I see when I reflect. I'll try and then take that into my next session and be quite lucky. Probably on the coach. I'm probably on, on the grass about 20 hours a week just now, at least. So that next session doesn't tend to be too long to wait for. Um, and I think there's, there's some common things that will pop up in every session that you notice. Well, right, next time I go out, I've got to be better at this, whether it be your projection, whether it be how you demonstrate, how you keep, keep a group as well, which is quite important for me, especially my role with Rangers. Uh, we go out to a lot of different schools and you can sometimes go out to a different school each week. So you've got to build that relationship with the kids, but at the same time, you've got to be able to keep them. And what I mean by that is keep their attention, obviously. Um, their kids, at the end of the day, they don't want to stand and listen to me tell them for 30 minutes how you must do this, you must do that. So my main thing is just get the ball rolling and show them within that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, to be honest, you can kind of find the moments that you need to improve on quite easily within your own reflection just by looking deep enough and actually having focused reflection questions as well. A lot of the times, my, my reflection models kind of changed recently. Uh, and uh, I'm looking more at the things that I maybe didn't think about before, so things like ball rolling time, um, how I structure my breaks in a session as well, when I'll, when I'll use moments to step in, and I try in every session now, my main aim is, if I can make sure that that ball is at least rolling for 80% of the time, I'm doing something right. If I hit 90, then am I co- my question myself at that moment is, am I coaching enough? Because for all the balls rolling, am I actually giving value? And that's that's when I kind of look at those ones of where I'll think back to well, how many times did I give that bit of individualized feedback? Johnny, look, that was a good pass, but next time, could you look to carry the ball? Could you maybe take somebody on? Could you or could you even play that pass the other side? Because there was two players there. 
things like that. Um, yeah, I think the reflection side of things is just easier. Easier if you do it more consistently, and then that process of implementation starts again, doesn't it? I saw as well in that list of questions you've just referenced, um, one of them is whether the players are getting better at football or they're getting better at your drill. Why yeah. do you think that's such an important thing for coaches to be conscious of? Um, because I think a lot of the times, right, I always think back to the the time old the time old warm up of short, short, long, short, short, long. That good old square that everybody done at some point. It's like the cues of us standing waiting for the coach to lay off a ball before we have a shot. So right away, if you do that enough, you can be good at that drill. But then, so the short, short, long, for example, I always use. I always use that most to get a touch of the ball. If you don't follow up though with a bit of pressure, doesn't mean anything. You'd be as well just doing the favourite two lines playing a ball each other and you change over position. Um, so things like that makes me just think of how we coach in terms of what, what we put players into. Um, personally, and that, this was thinking back in terms of me as a player, that's another one. Would I, would I want to be involved in it? Um, in terms of my questions, would I would I like to be involved in my session? Now, even if I think it's just the simplistics of the warm-up that I used to do as a player compared to the warm-ups that I now deliver as a coach, for example, that that short, short, long was boring. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. It's boring. It's, it's a time-old classic, yeah, but pretty ineffective as well for me and also in terms of the way I used to manage warm-ups weren't a thing that I'd done um, warm-ups was always a thing that I kind of allowed players to build a bit of autonomy in and I would tend to go to captains or senior players and say look warm-up today you just decide what you're doing you just know your own body I'll trust you I'll give you that half an hour to go take it yourselves and I, I used to work that way but when I've been in, obviously, as a coach, I'm working under a, under a manager, and I tend to be the person taking the warm-up now. So, actually, that, that first few months of taking the warm-up, I, I was going, hmm, what, what, what do I do here? Like, what, what's my structure going to be? And it took me a wee while to find a warm-up that suits. Um, we've got quite a, quite a good warm-up, and it's actually something, something that I've used to show we're quite fortunate at Stenhouse Muir as well. All, all of our stuff is recorded in terms of games at home. So I actually used our, our warm-up possession box that we use to um, deliver a presentation from a university that basically showed the steady progression of a drill and how there was different schemas involved in it, things like that that then contribute in it. Looking at that, I would say that that's definitely something. So if I think of the box that we use, so the possession box that we use at Steny is nice and simple, depending on the number of players. So if I've got a smaller, if we've got a small squad that day and say, I, I know, right, striker, two strikers are going to be away with the keeper. So I've maybe only got five on five or six on six. I'll go 20 by 20 box. 
if, if I've got more numbers, if we get a full squad, I'll go 24 by 24. So just slightly altered. Um, but we look within that to play transfer position. So we'll go nice and simple. You get your box. You've also got two orange cones, two yellow cones either side of the box. You'll have a yellow bib player on a cone at each side of the two yellow cones and an orange bib player on top and bottom on a cone. And the team within, you've got orange against yellows and a possession box looking to transfer between to gain a point. So if I play, if I'm the orange team and I play my top player in, get the ball back, we keep possession, then get through the other side, play our bottom player, and we get the ball back, we, we'll win up. So even within that, I think we've found a way of it's built in our, our actual principles of play as well in terms of how we want to play. But it's just, it's much better than as I go back to that old short, short, long, and we actually get something from it. I used to have to stop it a fair bit, it was always same same thing every week. Girls freeze, and right at that freeze moment, I would say, "What's wrong here?" And nine times out of ten, it would be that they were all far too crammed in. Twenty-four by twenty-four box sometimes, and you could have put a, a keep net over them and a ten-yard space, for example. But now they're used to doing it. They've had that regularity of doing the same warm-up. That they know if we space out for a start. Dell's not going to moan at us because we're on the same area. But they actually understand that it will create the width, it will create the depth that we need to actually play properly. So we things like that is just another way of spotting how how you manage to rather than just make your players better at your drill, you make them better at football. No, and in terms of drills and I guess the different groups that you work with how much do you use across the same groups or how much do you tweak based on whether you're working with the adults, with the kids? Are the base ideas often the same? Yes and no. Um, how I work will depend on two different things, really, because I've got my own ways that I like to work. So personally, I like to work the whole part whole way normally. I always prefer to start with a game, have the bit in the middle where you get to work on something within the game and then get back to the game. Um, that's just the way that I've found the problem in the last 18 months um, working with, with my, my amateur team at that time. I, I found that it worked better for them and I've used it as well at times, even working with the kids and things like that. And at the end of the day, kids love playing games. They don't want to do a drill. They don't want to be part of their practice. They want to play football. So it's easier to put that in there. Um, but sometimes at my clubs, I've got to work in a certain way, so structures are expected in a more traditional way. Um, so, yeah, for me, it kind of depends where I'm working rather than uh, what, what I'm looking to do. But there's definitely transferables between that. So even, for example, on Friday night there um, at Stenhouse Muir, we only had 10 of the girls in for the session. And we started with a game of bug splat. So bug splat is a game that you'll mostly play with children. Simple warm-up, but it's fun. You have everybody, apart from your splatters, running around the area with the ball. 
and they try and splat each other's football as the person dribbles with the ball. And if you're splatted, you then become a splatter until there's a last person standing or dribbling, as you would hope. Um, but yeah, we, we tend to have ways of working that can transfer across both kids and adults because at the end of the day, you've got to, you've got to get enjoyment in there for both. But you've also got to build in the game itself and see the game is the way I always look at it. If I'm doing something, the first thing I, I want to look at is do I actually see a game of football and what I'm doing just now? Because if I don't, there's no point in doing it. That was the voice of Derek Johnston. Thanks to Derek for his time and sharing his experiences. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next week or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairburn. See you again soon.